Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as personalized recommendations or fiduciary advice. It is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for any investment, accounting, legal, and tax advice or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Brent Foster, and this is your weekly market insights with Northbound Wealth Management. I am the CEO and founder of Northbound Wealth Management and the host of this podcast, uh, which uh, I try to get out every week. Uh, Today, what we're going to do is go over the U.S. markets, actually the international global markets, uh, and review July Um, as it's the beginning of August. So let's dive in. Stocks added to their strong year-to-date gains in July as investors cheered decelerating inflation, better than expected corporate earnings, and healthy economic data. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 3.35%, while the S&P 500 index rose 3.11%. The NASDAQ Composite, which has led all year, advanced 4.05%. So What's the reasoning for that? Well, positive inflation reports after a faltering start to the month, stocks rallied on favorable June inflation data. Consumer prices increased at the slowest rate in over two years, rising just 3% year over year. This encouraging report was followed by a smaller than forecasted 0.1% rise in June producer prices as an indicator of future consumer prices. The deflationary trend was further evidenced when the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, a key inflation measure watched by the Federal Reserve, or the Fed, rose 0.1% month over month and 4.1% from 12 months ago, the lowest annual increase since September 2021. Also getting support from earnings was a catalyst. Second quarter earnings also boosted investor optimism last month with 51% of S&P 500 companies reporting 80% of reported earnings above Wall Street estimates, which which is above the five and 10-year averages. The earnings beat in the second quarter was less impressive, however, averaging 5.9%, which is below the five and 10-year averages. Investors greeted the results with relief since the second quarter is traditionally a low point for corporate results. A number of industry sectors showed solid earnings growth, and some investors saw this as evidence of a healthy consumer and a potential sign of improving earnings in the second half of the year. Also, uh, fears of uh, recession faded a bit. Finally, the overhang of a possible recession this year faded over the course of the month. Even Fed Chair Jerome Powell, following the Fed's July meeting, remarked that the Fed no longer expected a recession this year. They're just pushing that forecast out to 2024. Um, And maybe that's even avoidable. Uh, That's debatable, obviously. One of the most remarkable aspects of the market was the Fed, as expected, raised interest rates 25 basis points or 0.25% at July meeting. That and that indicated that a future rate hike was not off the table. So they they kind of didn't take it off the table, and the markets appeared to barely notice. So uh, the potential next time that they may hike interest rates would be in November, but we'll see. There's a lot of time between now and then. 
the sector scorecard. So let's review that. All industry sectors did in the green last month with gains in communication services of 5.70%. Consumer discretionary was up 2.31%. Consumer staples was up 2.13%. Energy was up 7.77%. Financials uh, were up 4.81%. Healthcare was up 1.07%. Industrials were up 2.89%. Materials were up 3.44%. Real estate was up 1.33%. Technology was up 2.58%. And utilities were up 2.49%. So uh, let's recap the US markets for July. So the S&P 500 for the month was up 3.11%. The NAS or the NASDAQ was up 4.05. The Russell 1000 was up 3.34. The 10-year treasury note topped at uh, 3.96%, and that's up uh, year-to-date. The S&P 500 is up 19. Let's see, this is through July, the end of July. The the S&P 500 is up 19.52%. The Nasdaq's up 37.07%. Russell 1000 is up 19.59%. And the 10-year Treasury is up uh, 0.08%. And that data is all pulled from Yahoo Finance. Let's see um, what investors may be talking about in August. So we're at the beginning of August. Uh, A lot of the government is on vacation, uh, just as a side note. But global central bank governors will be gathering at the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City's annual economic policy symposium in Jackson Hole on August 24th through 26th. This year's discussion will center on structural shifts in the global economy, but investors will be focused on Fed Chair Powell's comments on his monetary policy outlook for the coming months. Markets prepare for uh, Powell. So uh, that's the headline. At last year's meeting, Powell's speech was viewed by the financial markets as especially hawkish, triggering a sell-off with the S&P 500 falling 3.37%. As August progresses, investors will be keenly watching the labor market inflation since both may be key data points guiding Powell's remarks in Jackson Hole. Any indications by Powell that the Fed may pause or stay the course may unsettle the market. So um, look, be potentially looking for volatility there. So let's talk about the world markets. The MSCI EFA index gained 3.17% in July, aided by slowing inflation in Europe and China's announcement of support for its troubled property market. European markets were higher with gains in France of 1.32%, Germany up 1.85%, Italy up 5.01%, Spain up uh, 0.51%, and the United Kingdom up 2.23%. The Pacific Rim markets were mixed. Uh, China's Hang Seng Index picked up 6.15%, and Australia's ASX 200 added 2.88%. However, Japan was flat at 0.05%. Now, I will remind you, Japan's markets have been on fire. So let's see. Um, Yeah, let's review the world market recap for July, emerging markets. uh, And what we'll talk about is July's uh, performance and then how it's doing year to date. So Hang Seng China was up 6.15%. Year to date, that's up 1.50%. So they're kind of in a lull. Uh, KOSPI or COPSPI in Korea is up 2.66% for July, um, up 17.72% for the year. The Nikkei in Japan, uh, down 0.05% for the month, up 27.12% for the year. Like I said, Japanese markets are doing quite well. Sensex in India, up for the month 2.80%. That's up 9.35% for the year. 
EGX 30, which would be Egypt's markets in July down 0.39% year to date up 20.53%. So it's done quite well for the year. Uh, Bovespa in Brazil uh, up 3.27% for the month of July, up 10.62% for the year. The IPC all share Mexico. So this is the Mexican index. Uh, it is up 2.42% in July, up 13.11% year to date. ASX 200, which is Australia, up 2.88% for the month of July, up 5.28% for the year. In Europe, we'll capture their uh, uh, top indexes. The DAX in Germany, the German markets were up 1.85% in July, up 18.12% for the year. CAC 40, which is in France, their, their markets are up 1.32% for July, up 15.82% year to date. IBEX 35, which would be Spain, up 51 basis points for July, 17.16 for year to date. Uh, the FTSE 100 in United Kingdom is up 2.23% for July, up 3.32% year to date. The IT40 or Italy's index was up 5.01%, up 25.05% for for the year year to date. So uh, decent uh, equity performance globally across the major indices. Uh, the state is derived from Yahoo Finance through July 31st, 2023 uh, for those year to date numbers. Uh, so uh, indicators, let's talk about those. So gross domestic product or GDP, the US economy expanded by 2.4% annualized rate in the second quarter. This was the higher this was higher than the first quarter's GDP growth rate of 2% and well above the consensus forecasts. Uh, employment. Uh, employers added 209,000 new jobs in June, a sharp deceleration from May's revised 306,000 new hires. The unemployment rate fell to 3.6%, while average hourly wages grew 4.4% from a year ago. Now, I will tell you that uh, we got some economic data out today and uh, this week, and it looks like the the labor market is slowing a bit. They came in underneath the uh, 200,000 uh, new jobs. It was like 186,000. But I'll review that uh, here in the next uh, in the next segment or or two, uh, or in the coming weeks. So retail sales rose 0.2 percent, falling short of economists' consensus forecast of 0.5 percent increase. Industrial production fell 0.5 percent in June, despite Falling for the second consecutive month, industrial production increased at an annualized rate of 0.7% in the second quarter. Huh, that's an interesting indicator. Uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, more positive than people um, are thinking. Housing. Housing starts tumbled 8% in June and were 8.1% lower than a year ago. Permits to build, an indicator of future new housing starts, also declined, slipping 3.7% from May's number. Sales of existing homes fell by 3.3% in June, owing to the continued tight inventory of homes on the market. New home sales contracted by 2.5% month over month while increasing 23.8% from last June. Consumer price index as an indicator, the rise in consumer prices continued their cooling trend. So disinflation, obviously, falling to their lowest levels in over two years. The CPI rose a modest 0.2% in June and 3% from a year ago. Both came in below econo uh, economist forecasts. Core inflation excludes food and energy, also decelerated, rising 4.8% from last June. 
durable goods orders, orders of goods de uh, designed the last three years or more, uh, climbed 4.7% in June, exceeding the estimate of 1.5%. And uh, the Fed, let's talk about the Fed. Uh, after all, they are a big game in town. As widely expected, the Fed raised interest rates by a quarter uh, uh, percent or 25 basis points at its July OMC meeting. The U.S. Central Bank made little change to its previous statement in June, where it kept interest rates unchanged. Uh, uh, Fed Chair Powell did not rule out uh, um, uh, another rate hike at its September meeting, but emphasized that decisions would remain data dependent. I would say it's certainly possible that we will raise funds again and at the uh, September meeting if the data warranted, said Powell after Fed's July meeting. And I would also say it's possible that we would choose to hold steady and we're going to be making careful assessments, as I said, meeting by meeting. So he might say that. Uh, I think it would be an error if he were to raise rates in, se uh, the, uh, in September versus waiting to see what happens uh, in November in regards to the labor market and other types of indicators. So um, that wraps that up on the economic front and the indicators and things like that. But uh, let's go have a little fun and, and talk about by the numbers, given that a lot of kids are going to be going back to, to college and, and parents will be saving. So the cost of college. So $25,313 is the average amount families spent on college in 2022. Um, let's see, 26% uh, of which came from scholarships and grants. 54% of which came from family savings and income and 18% of which came from student borrowing. So $1,367 is the average plan spending per household in 2023 for back to college shopping. $890 is the average plan spending per household in 2023 for back to school shopping. So X college, uh, $94 billion is the total amount to be expected to be spent on college shopping in 2023, $41 billion total amount to be expected uh, to be spent on back to school costs in 2023. And those numbers are up. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there you have it for the wrap up. And uh, please check out our blog, check out the website at www.northboundwealth.com and we'll parlay into the next segment. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, this is Brent Foster and I'm gonna take a moment to do a technical analysis spotlight just for a few minutes here. On Monday, we finished up the month of July and this is the first week of August and here we are at the close. It's Friday at about five o'clock, uh, August 4, 2023. And I have my stock charts pulled up uh, stockcharts.com and been uh, looking at my indicators and uh, I'm looking at the the 50 day moving average, which is currently sitting at around uh, 4,059. The 200 day moving average is sitting at around 3,865. Uh, the market closed at 4,478. And we're talking about the S&P 500 here, which is the largest 500 companies in the United States. It's a broader index that is more representative of equity markets in the US, um, one that is commonly followed and quoted in the financial media. So um, it's good to take a look at the patterns here. Um, it happens to be a large portfolio holding too, uh, one of the primary ones of uh, Northbound Wealth Management, our firm. So it uh, looks like, let's just review 
the beginning of this year, I mean, the market started out, gosh, in the 3,800 range and it kind of just uh, rallied. It, it, we've oscillated a bit. We had a couple of wave patterns there, a one and a two. And now this is the a three that we see and uh, for L, uh, objective Elliott wave. And um, the market kind of peaked out around the 46 to 4,700 ranges and now is selling off a bit in a correction. We should see a consolidation. We might actually get a correction of five to 10%. Who knows? Uh, that is that remains to be seen. Uh, you see Apple selling off, but Amazon holding the market up. But uh, what you're seeing is over the last few trading days this week is a rally or kind of like some green tape at the beginning of the day. And then the the rally fades. And we end up red on the day in the Dow and in the NASDAQ and the SP 500. So you're seeing some chop. We might consolidate, be sideways. Uh, the larger companies uh, like Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, which is Alphabet, um, those are bigger weights in the indexes. Um, and we're seeing broadening out in the market. So what they say is uh, more breadth and stuff. We saw that happen. Um, but now as some of these bigger tech companies report earnings, we're seeing some rolling over. So uh, the larger the weight, the stock like Apple, the, the more uh, the S&P is going to decline. And so we're going to keep an eye on those on these levels and ranges, but everything so far seems to be pretty orderly as far as a, a traditional sell-off. Now, there's a lot of debate out there about, are we in a new bull market? Is this a bear market? Is this just a bear market rally? Um, you know, are we going to break past the 4,800 range or the, the last all-time highs, which happened uh, right at the end of 2021? Um, and 22, obviously everybody remembers it was a negative year, uh, a hard year for stocks and bonds across the board. And then, uh, we saw a pivot really at the bottom in October of 2022. And then the market kind of retesting that a couple of times, uh, in early 23. And then again, uh, in the, in the middle part or early part of 23. And then from there, it really hasn't looked back. We've kind of had a melt up and uh, driven by AI and new technologies. And, uh, and actually, amazingly, in the face of higher interest rates, uh, the market uh, is kind of bucking that and looking forward and past it, uh, anticipating the Fed pausing and uh, potentially maybe only raising again one more time. Who knows? And that might happen in November. But uh, the consumer's in, great, in actually pretty good shape. Uh, and that I think is surprising people. The market is really showing resilience. The economy is showing resilience. Uh, are debatable, obviously. We can debate all kinds of things. I mean, getting a Fitch downgrade of U.S. debt isn't isn't <laughs> isn't exactly a vote of confidence. And so there's a lot of cross currents going on. And so uh, northbound, that's uh, this is all the stuff that we enjoy doing and and trying to figure out. And of course, we're looking all the way out to the election. Uh, next year. And uh, looks like the Fed says, you know, no recession this year. They're pushing that forecast out to next year. Who, kno who knows, really? Uh, so anyway, back to technicals. Uh, the 50-day moving average is sitting around 4,059. And then the 200 days at 3,865. Um, we're seeing uh, the market really create some separation well above that 50-day moving average because it closed at 4,478 as a reminder. Uh, as of August 4th, that would be today. And we potentially could get a retest of the 50-day moving average. Maybe we consolidate to 4,200, a couple more hundred points. 
uh, before pressing up higher and making a run at at least uh, breaking out above the 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 high, all-time highs of the S&P 500, which happened at the end of 2021. And if we do get a break above that, then then that would be confirmation that um, absolutely, absolutely confirmation that the market uh, is in a bull market rather than a bear market. And that then you'd look back at the October lows and say, yeah, uh, the October's lo- lows of 2022 were it as far as a bottom in this process. But So what we're looking at in ranges is like, well, if we break below 4,059, you're going to see most likely a retest of thir- the 3,800 levels. If you break that, then you go, you've got to look at the, no- the next confluence of support. And obviously in the process, there's going to be an awful lot of technical damage. Uh, that's, a, that's a real bearish uh, scenario, a real bearish uh, view. You know, anything can happen in the market, but that's not necessarily what we see. We potentially could be in a new bull market. I'm on that side of the fence because I look at price, I look at technicals, I look at you know what's going on here, and then the fundamentals is uh, a rolling recession, uh, and um, you know it's it's pretty obvious that uh, the market is telling us what it thinks, and um, obviously it can change its mind. So that's why we look at technicals to read through a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the noise that's out there, for lack of a better term, but. Um, how I'm talking about this while I have this up and on future podcasts, I'll be able to show you a video of this because I'll be using the Indie Pod Lab Studio uh, upstairs, a chart up that has multiple studies on it. The ADX uh, oscillator, the RSI, which is relative strength uh, oscillator, full stochastics, the MACDs, various histograms. And then I've got the S&P 500 uh, weekly pulled up uh, rather than daily charts. And I zoomed out five years. So I'm looking back at a five-year chart. Uh, I think if you start at a 60,000 foot level looking down at earth, things can make more sense. And then as you zoom in, you get a little more granular as to what decisions you want to make, like from a sector trade or a stock trade or a, a specific area that you want to trade in in the market. And then uh, once you once you see opportunities there, you can execute them, knowing that uh, you started out looking out at Earth from uh, space, if you will, for for uh, for that type of uh, depiction. So anyway, I'm looking at all of this, and it's exciting to see that uh, we touched that 200 day moving average back in 2022 in October, and we kind of broke through it. But the market resilience and the trading larger market makers understood that that might have been the bottom. But we'll see. We haven't necessarily broke out above all-time highs to discredit this rally. So it kind of it kind of faded here. So we'll see what happens. Um, stay tuned for that on other podcasts. I felt like I wanted to share that with you guys. I'm excited about Amazon reporting really well. It tells me um, you know a multitude of things. And there's companies with solid earnings. We'll see if that changes at all. And uh, we're heading into the holiday season here. And August tends to be a tough month for the market. September does too. Sometimes October, uh, just seasonality and things like that. And uh, as a reminder, the market is a discounting mechanism. So the market's actually voting machine looking out, you know, six, eight months in advance And so we've got an election year coming up. There's a lot of things that can go 
uh, sideways, upside down, right side up. But uh, with Northbound Wealth Management, with the team here, uh, we'll be able to guide you through and, and navigate uh, these equity markets and fixed income markets. Gosh, you know, three, four, three months, six months, nine months, one year, treasury bonds are paying, you know, from 4.3% uh, to 4.4%. Um, and the, 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 the two year, I think is just below 5%. Um, those treasury notes are offering a great opportunity to uh, actually get some yield out of fixed income. And a lot of firms are looking to extend duration and add duration to portfolios. Um, and so it's going to cause some uh, dynamics in the fixed income market. We really haven't seen, especially when interest rates are this high. So, Hey, we're going to try to take advantage of those opportunities as we move forward. All right. With that, uh, we'll wrap up the show. Can't wait to talk to you guys again next week. Take care. 